0: My motivation is I want as many people as possible to see that, hey, you can do this. I mean, if I can do it, so can you. It's not something magical. It's not impossible. It's very doable. I don't in any way want people to walk away thinking that it's easy and it's not a lot of hard work because it is, but the opportunity is there. And if you're if you're motivated enough, I encourage everybody to, you know, really look at real estate seriously as a way to to improve the the
1: quality of your life for yourself and your loved ones. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to let you know of an exciting opportunity that is happening right now. So if you'd like to be a part of an apartment complex right here and right now, there is an investment opportunity. It's a 250 unit apartment community that my team, Blue Spruce, has under contract. We're putting our own money into this one because we love the numbers on it. And we would love to invite you to have an opportunity to invest right alongside with us. So the way that you can do that is there is a link and it's within the show notes and that is for you to register your interest to invest alongside with Adam Adams and Blue Spruce Holdings. So scroll down right now and find that link. It is realbluespruce.com forward slash portal Find that link, click the link, and we will be investing together on this 250 unit. It's time for the Creative Real Estate Podcast, your source for out-of-the-box real estate investing strategies brought to you by realbluespruce.com. Welcome back to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. I am your host, Adam A. Adams, the win-win maker, the one who's going to help you find the solutions to any problem that you have. And now here's your problem today here's what you're trying to do. You're trying to say, what kind of apartment should I buy? How am I going to add value? Well, don't worry. We have the solution because it is Brian Murray and his book, which is crushing it in apartments and commercial real estate. So with that said, Brian Murray, welcome to the show. How are you today? I'm great.
0: Super excited to be here, Adam. Thanks for having me on your show.
1: Good. You had better be great because you are living the dream that everyone wants to live. And let's start here. What is the background that got you into commercial real estate in the first place? And then we'll start diving into the questions.
0: Yeah, so I I was completely unqualified to jump into commercial real estate, actually. You know, I I started off working as an engineer. I worked in the tech sector for a while. And uh, eventually, I I, I decided to start teaching. And uh, when I was working as a teacher, you know, it was really hard to make ends meet. And I said, you know, what, what can I do on the side to make that extra money and get some cash flow that I'd really like to see? And, and uh, real estate had always been really interesting to me. And I just decided to take the savings I had at that time
1: and, uh, and take that leap and and jump into real estate. Awesome. Awesome. And so what, what? In over the past few years, what was the year that you started one more time? Actually started back in 2007. 2007. What an awesome time to start. Let me ask you a question before I ask my other one. So what did you feel like when it was 2008, 9, and 10, and you had just gotten into this business? I was pretty scared about jumping in. I had a lot of trepidation, a lot of uncertainty.
0: And like I said, I don't even want to pretend that I, I could say I knew what I was doing, but you know, by the time I got a couple of years in, I realized that I was figuring stuff out as I went along. I was making progress and that was encouraging. You know, I mean, I, I'm not saying I didn't have setbacks because there were a, there were a whole hell of a lot of problems, but, you know, I also was able to to gain some confidence as I went along. So, um, you know, I, some of the challenges I got a couple of years in, I, I really wanted to refinance my property and, and banks weren't lending at that time. Um, I ended up getting into my second property with uh, the the first property was um, an assumed mortgage. The second property was a seller financing deal. And so, you know, I I was several years in and I still hadn't been able to get a a bank to agree to lend to me. Um, And uh, that that was some of the challenges at the time. But operationally, I was figuring stuff out and I was I was looking to
1: grow and, and get some more. I'm really grateful that you brought those two things up because this is the Creative Real Estate Podcast. So we talk a lot about the ways that you kind of get involved in doing multifamily or any other type of deal creatively. Some ways we talk about like syndication. You don't have to close with your own money. Some ways we can talk about assuming a mortgage or seller financing. So when uh, which one of those do you want to talk a little bit about like I was in this place where a bank didn't want to give me a loan. Yep. But I still got a deal done. Instead of saying, oh, "I can't," you said, "How can I?" Yeah,
0: I mean, I'm I'm glad to talk about either one. And, and basically, you know, it it you really got to be motivated because I also don't want to pretend that any old property that you come along you're just going to be able to, you know, sell or finance or assume a mortgage. You got to look at a lot of properties. You got to you got to kiss a lot of toads, I mean, until you find the right one. But I always try to learn about the seller's debt situation when I'm when I'm in negotiations when I'm having those conversations, and I really want to try to come up with a solution that's a win-win. You know, it's it's not all about me. If you want, if you want somebody to, to uh, you know sign a contract, you got They've got to win too. And when you look at that, you know, sometimes there's a way it can work for both of you. Um, I've I've done uh, both a number of times. And uh, probably I've I've used the seller financing more often and a lot of people will tell you that you've got to find a property with no debt to seller finance. That's absolutely not true. You might have to do that if you you can't get any bank financing, but I've done at least a half a dozen deals where I get the bank to lend me a lower amount that they're comfortable with and then I use seller financing to bridge the gap and close the amount of cash that I need to come up with. And those are, you know, it's just one example of lots of different creative ways to buy property and to be able to retain full equity. You know, that's another thing that I've done is I haven't gone out and raised cash from investors, which is another great way to, to bridge that gap as well. Um, but to be honest, I, I didn't know how to do that. And I was pretty intimidated by the whole idea. And so I just got creative in other ways and, and tried to find, different ways to close on those properties even though I really didn't have a lot to put in of my own cash.
1: I love it and one of my favorite things that you had mentioned is that you said I really try and learn about the sellers situation and I think that's a big takeaway from anybody who wants to learn creative real estate through multifamily or anything else is people sometimes get in and and they just offer a random thing because they heard lease option once, because they heard subject two once or because they heard of seller financing. They heard this term and so they were like, how do I offer that? So they're really thinking about themselves and they're really thinking about what do I want to do here? And the problem with that is, is you're not really customizing anything to a seller if it's all about what you want or what you heard. But if, you're, if you can do what you're, you're telling us, what you're teaching us, what you have done, Brian, is you've listened. You've listened and learned what the sellers want, what they need, what are their financial situations, what are the debt situations. And when you ask enough questions, it's really easy to, this is what we need to do. Yeah. I have an idea that will help you, Mr. Seller.
0: That's right. And sometimes they're willing to make accommodations in how you do the deal if they get their price. So even in a competitive market, if, if, they're, if they're aiming high and um, you can bring that price, they might be flexible. So one of the tricks that I do, you know, I'll, I'll go in and I'll, I'll make an offer that I know is not going to get the deal done and I'll wait for a counter. And then when I counter back, then I add in the seller financing. So what I might do is when I counter, I might put in 5% of the purchase price, say, as, as seller financing, and then they can begin to see, oh, he's countering. Because you know that's a way he can help me get my asking price, and in return, you know I'm going to extend, say, only you know five percent, and they, a lot of them will think that's worth it. And on top of that, that it can help them avoid some taxes if they're not going to ten thirty one. Um, and then when you go back and forth and in, in your in your you're negotiating, that five could become ten, then maybe fifteen or even twenty percent, and oftentimes. I'll find that you've got a seller who had no no expectation to do seller financing. But once they examine it, maybe talk to their accountant, realize the tax advantages and the fact that they're going to get a a larger selling price. And I do that when I I can see that, hey, this is really going to improve my cash on cash return. Um, And I also do it very selectively. I'm looking at properties that are distressed in some way, that I have a clear value add plan. And I know that, hey, If I can get into this property with say 5% cash down because of some combination of creative financing that I'm using, I've got to make sure that I've got a really solid plan to add equity right away so that I'm not, you know, sitting on a property taking way too much risk. So I want to know I can drive the value up after closing and I can sit on 30% equity in a property, even though I only put 5% in.
1: So if you're on the Facebook right now, show us the likes and the loves for knowing that you can get into one of these giant properties for just 5% or even less down if you're utilizing these creative strategies. Give us those likes and loves right now. All right, Brian, I want to uh, transition because you mentioned something in that last sentence where you said, when I'm doing value add properties, I like to be able to come in with 5% or like to be able to do this or negotiate that. So Let's transition now into value add. What is it? What is it not? How do you do it? What are the items that give you the most bang for the buck? And uh, so, we'll, so we'll start talking a little bit about value add. So first, can you answer the question, what is value add? And is there an opposite strategy uh, that's not value add?
0: So value add is taking advantage of the fact that investment properties are appraised based on uh, their the, the net operating income that that property generates. right? So that means that if you can drive up revenue or you can reduce expenses, either one is going to directly translate into a higher value for that property. And that's what sets uh, commercial real estate apartments apart from, say, single-family homes where you're looking at comps and you're really – there's a limited amount that you can do you can you can move the number but it's really hard to do because you've got comps that are that are bringing you back to the norm in commercial real estate you can drive that revenue up you can cut those expenses and it's immediately captured as as equity and you can access that equity either by selling or what i prefer to do is refinance down the road and pull cash out for that next property okay so you want go go ahead
1: no, I think you were going to already answer what I was going to say. So
0: yeah, just keep going. Keep going. No worries. Yeah. yeah, so when you're looking at a property and, and some of this comes with experience and there's, there's no limit, it's a lot of it's creativity. And you know, you're know you looking at a property, you're going to look it up and down and you're going to think about how can I make this better? What can I do better? And so the best properties tend to be those ones that are mismanaged. You have uh, an owner who maybe is really you know oftentimes in another part of the country maybe not really paying attention um maybe relying on a on a local often inept property manager and really out of touch and it could be there there's like i said i mean there's there's hundreds if not thousands of ways that you can do it but oftentimes it could be as simple as say hey they're really not paying attention it's it's time to raise the rents right um you know that's probably one of the most simple ones but um other ways, you know especially early on as I got my properties, you would be amazed at the difference just doing some you know uh, cosmetic things like making it clean like clean, clean a place up it's dirty it's not well kept you know spruce up the landscaping, fresh coat of paint these are things that you can you can you know use a little sweat equity and put it in there and do it yourself or you can contract it out for a minimal amount of money and you'd be surprised change the whole first impression of a, of a property, an apartment, um, you know, and, and that's not, that's not complicated and you don't have the whole lot of experience to, you know, you know, rake a yard or plant some flowers or, or, or do a little basic painting. And um, you know, there, those, those are some things that almost any of us can do if we're motivated enough and we, and we want to make a property better and um, it translates into filling vacant space.
1: Before we get into each and every item that is possible to add value like laundry and rubs and and all the other things that we 're talking about let 's talk numbers let 's let the listener get excited about what is the potential with doing the value add so let 's talk about you know what happens if you raise fifty or a hundred or one hundred and fifty dollars per unit or if you lower some expenses, you mentioned that that adds some equity to the property, but let's sure. actually translate that to some dollar signs so we understand. Do you have a website that gives you credibility and captures leads? ApartmentInvestorPro.com can help you get a professional website today. Can you build your investor list without a website? Sure, just like you can cut down a tree with a pocket knife, but why would you when you could use a chainsaw? Typically, building a professional website can be a real pain taking thousands of dollars and months of your time. One syndicator said it took him 10 months on his own. Another had to go to three different companies before getting something usable. ApartmentInvestorPro.com makes it quick and painless. All the designs and content is already created. With 15 years of experience building websites for investors, ApartmentInvestorPro.com gives you peace of mind and lets you focus your time on finding deals and investors. These powerful websites capture contact information from your potential investors. You can even automate the follow-up process. No more letting good investor leads fall through the cracks. Save 10% on your website by going to apartmentinvestorpro.com and using promo code CREATIVE. That link is in today's show notes. So
0: let's say say you've got a, a 20 unit apartment building and you raise each of the rents $25 a month. So $500. So, so that's, uh, $6,000 a year. And, um, you know, at a, at an eight cap, you know, what do we, what do we got for $6,000 at an eight cap? So $75,000 in value. So you took your 20 unit, you know, you bumped it up $25 a month. Um, that's a, that's a, that's a good start, right? I mean, that's without doing, taking any other measures. That's without even touching expenses. Um, you know that's or any of the other thousand other things you might do, you stepped in and said, "Hey, maybe they're about one year off on rent bumps, maybe they're not on top of it. Let's go across the board twenty five dollars a month and if you're if you're in a market where your average rents are say eight fifty, that's a modest bump that's that's something that will probably be accepted by most of those tenants and and um you know especially if a, if you're stepping in and you're starting to take care of things so bam, there's seventy five thousand dollars that you've got more equity in that property. And once you build enough of that up, you can pull it out in cash, tax-free, right? So you refinance property and you pull money, money cash out during a refi, that, that money is completely tax-free. You can do whatever you want with it. Go out and get another property.
1: Can you, can you explain a little bit more in detail to somebody who's brand new and sure. hasn't yet done anything with commercial, how yeah. exactly does just $25 a month with a cap rate, turn into seventy five thousand it, dollars. It's sure. it's confusing, I think, to a couple people.
0: Sure. So that if you if you first the first step is to take that twenty five dollars in one unit and bring it across your all twenty units, right? That's how we got the five hundred a month, and then over twelve months in the year, right? That's where you get to the um, the uh, where are we at?
1: the
0: the, uh, the $6,000. So over the course of a year, you've increased the income $6,000. The way that you get your net operating income is to take your income and subtract out your expenses. So even without changing your expenses at all, you've increased that difference between the income and the expenses, which is the net operating income. You added that $6,000 to your bottom line. And that's the number that appraisers use. That's the number that other buyers will use they're going to look at that net operating income and they're going to apply a cap rate and they divide that number by the percentage cap rate in order to figure out the value of the property. And so you can take that one incremental piece in extra net operating income and figure out what does that add to the property as a whole? And in this case, you know, assuming an eight cap, that's $75,000 and that's that's a, you know, that, that can be a good amount of money, especially you know a good start, right? So you're gonna do a lot of other things with a property, but sometimes you've got a quick, easy hit like that. And if you keep doing that and you keep taking steps, it adds up, you can pull the cash out, you can buy that next property. 12 years down the road, you'll probably have more properties than I do.
1: So, so commercial appraisers and commercial investors value a property based on its cash flow, its income. It's N-O-I, right? That's right. And so it's it's a game where they're just saying, they're not really buying the property so much as they're saying, I want to buy that income. That income looks good. I want to own that income stream. Is that accurate? That is accurate. Yep. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. So let's talk here and really dive into one of your deals. Just pick the, pick the one where you added the most amount of value, where you, where you like gained a hundred or 200 or something like that in income or lowered expenses by the same. And let's talk about something like that, where we can really get inspired on, could I do this? Sure. Um,
0: I really, I do my best to add value on every property. You know, that's, that's how we've been successful. Um, Probably one of the most extreme that that, uh, we did was on a 115-unit property. Um, It was not cash flowing well. It was was very poorly managed. And um, I actually ended up getting seller financing on top of bank financing um, to the point that with other credits at closing and other creative things that we did, we actually ended up not having to put in any cash on a 115-unit property. Um now it wasn't in a market that most people would target. It wasn't a very healthy market. It wasn't a growing market. But I knew the market well and I knew what we could do with that property and I knew that it would generate a return. Um, so we were able to get in literally with no cash down. Um, the biggest reason that it was failing and that the cash flow wasn't there, and we found this out as we dug in during our due diligence was theft. Um, The employees that were working uh, for this company that owned the property were stealing everything. They were stealing supplies. They were clocking into work and going home. I mean, it was rampant, rampant theft. And when we took over the property, we got rid of the entire staff and replaced them. And immediately the performance went through the roof. Um, We turned around and sold that property less than two years later and cleared a million dollars profit on that.
1: Oh, that is incredible. Okay, so you, let me repeat this. We had a 115 unit property. It was being poorly managed. The seller actually financed on top of the bank loan. Yep. And you came out with zero dollars. $0. So anyone who's in the Facebook right now or listening, raise your hand if you have zero dollars or more. Because if you have zero dollars or more, you had enough to close on this property this 115 unit. And just to repeat what he said, Brian Murray got in with zero dollars, nothing out of pocket. And the, what was the problem with the property? The problem was theft from the the employees. He said they were clocking in and going home. He said that they were stealing supplies. They were, put, I think you said stealing money as well. Is that accurate? I it,
0: it, Everything was wrong. Okay. They were taking full advantage, yeah.
1: And... All Brian did, not that this is incredibly easy, but all he did was got rid of him, put in a better class of employee, and he cleared a million dollars. Zero down, million profit. And how long did that take you? It was less than two years, about a year and a half. All right, so if anyone watching wants to make 500 grand a year, you just learned the exact strategy, how to make 500 grand a year. Um, that's awesome. Is there another case study that you could share with us? Um, you know, on a, on a, on a
0: smaller scale, um, a couple years ago, we picked up a property. We, um, it was an office property. We, we ran the numbers. We valued it at about $325,000, $325, very small office property, had four small office suites in it. Um, Turns out that the, uh, the sellers owed, um, about 20,000 more than what we valued the property at. Uh, so what we agreed to do was we said, listen, we'll assume your mortgage, take the debt away. You guys can walk away, even though the value's not there, you guys can walk away. We'll do it because we can get in, you know, without putting any cash down, Um, but the property needs some work. So we actually had them kick back $20,000 toward repairs as well. Um, but they were willing to do it. They were fed up with the property. It was only half full and, uh, nobody else wanted to touch it. But, you know, we, again, we knew the market. We knew what we could do. We had confidence. So we went in, we bought it. We bought, we, we took over their debt. Um, I know we overpaid, but, you know, I knew we could get a great return if we could fill the vacant space. We immediately went in, we completely redid the landscaping, we repainted the common areas, um, put new lighting in, uh, did a lot of cosmetic repairs on the property, uh, you know, spruced up the vacant suites. Um, it took us about a year and a half to, to, to uh, fill that vacant space. Um, and then uh, about six months after that, we sold the property and we cleared about $100,000 on that property. Um, so it's similar, but on a smaller scale. And, um, you know, I, I also, I, have got to jump in and say, you know, things don't fall out of the sky. And, and a lot of people will say, you can't find these deals. I can't find these deals. But I tell you what, I mean, I'm looking at dozens and dozens of properties every day. I'm putting out feelers. I, I establish relationships with the owners in, in the area where we operate. They know who to call and I'm, I'm, I'm planting seeds every day and it's, they will come if you work hard enough and you try hard enough and you, and you keep doing, doing that digging. They don't just fall out of the sky and land in your lap. It's not gonna be one of the first 10, probably not one of the worst, one of the first 100, maybe not one of the first 1,000 properties that you look at, but we work hard to find those.
1: I love that. And I need to sum up again what you're talking about on this last property because number, number one, if you're listening right now, let me ask you a question. Do you make your money when you buy? I am the one person who's gonna say no. I'm the one person who's gonna say no. 99 out of 100 people are like, you make your money when you buy. You make your money when you buy. Now, here's a perfect example of what I am trying to share with you is Brian Murray says, I know that I overpaid for that property. We had it for one and a half years and we cleared six figures. We cleared six-figure profit over a hundred grand. And another part of that story that I think is really interesting for the listener is that, again, you you had a property before that you shared. You bought a hundred plus units where you came out of the pocket with nothing, a big donut. You didn't have to bring anything to the table. Now, this one's even more interesting because it sounds like, I think I remember you saying that the seller actually gave you 20 grand to take over the loan. Is that accurate? That's right. And actually that, you know, that was a credit that we asked for at closing for deferred maintenance
0: costs. And, um, so that's just something that we, we negotiated into the deal.
1: Perfect. Now let's, let's specifically talk about a few things that the listener could do. We, as the, during the pre-interview you mentioned, uh, what things give you the biggest returns, the common things that you look for to add the most amount of value, so let's, uh, let's give some line items that people can look for so that they can make a ton of money with real estate investing, specifically with commercial real estate.
0: Yeah, so I think the, the number one thing is, um, is to look at the rents, right? And make sure that you understand exactly what rents a property should command in that marketplace. And they can be too high or they can be too low. You know, either one can be a problem. If a property is completely full, uh, even if it's not well maintained, that's a clue that, that the rents might be too low. If a property is mostly vacant in a in a in a marketplace with high occupancy levels, um, very very possible they're overcharging for rents. You know something that people talk about a lot less, but um, you know that's that can be a value add because if you can drop the rents but fill the space, a lot of times you're you're still boosting again your your revenue and your ROI. Um, you know, there's, there's some big ones right off the top. Like like I said, you know, can don't underestimate the visual appeal of a property and what you can do by clearing out all that brush and all that overgrown landscaping that hasn't been touched in a few years. Um, it can change the whole first impression image of a property. Clean it up. Uh, making it safe is another big deal. Um, on some of our biggest value-add projects, one of the first things we've done is make sure properties are well-lit And they've got security cameras and people feel safe. And not only does that make your good tenants feel safe, it makes your scary ones or the ones who are doing things that they don't want to be seen doing, uh, reconsider whether that's a good place for them. And uh, a lot of times that, that attention to a property, putting those cameras in making it well lit and safe, that'll, that'll discourage the wrong type of tenants from deciding that that's the place they want to do whatever they're doing. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of classic ones that especially apartment owners look at. Um, we do a lot of different things with laundry. Um, sometimes they're undercharging for laundry. Sometimes um, th- maybe they, they own their own machines and it could be more profitable to outsource that to someone else to take care of it. We have one apartment complex where it's in a good location in a neighborhood that doesn't have any competing laundry operations. We actually have extra machines in there and we opened it up to the public to come in and share the laundry facilities. Um, so, you know, laundry, it's almost like a whole nother business that's, you know, a peripheral business to, to apartment investing. And there's a lot of different options at your disposal. Um, one of the hot things to do right now is put laundry, uh, washer dryer hookups within the units themselves. You can command a significant premium in rents. Many, many markets, uh, do not have the ability to meet the demand that is, that is rapidly grown for in unit washer dryers. Um, uh, putting a washer and a dryer in a unit might, might command an extra 150, $200 a month in rent in certain markets. So, you know, like I said, the, you know, the, the, uh, there's just limitless options. You're really only limited by your own creativity. And, uh, you just want to put yourself in the shoes of the tenant and think about, you know, what would appeal to you
1: if you were in their shoes? Let's, let's talk about dog parks and playgrounds in here sure. in just a moment. But, um, I need to step back and you mentioned bringing in washer dryer hookups, which is the one that I put up my finger. I was like, hey, if you're talking about laundry, let's talk about washer dryer hookups. And I think you read my mind because you mentioned it. Now, um, it's kind of interesting. You said it can command potentially an extra 150 to $200 per month per unit. And so let's just dive into those numbers of the washer dryer hookups real fast Um, what's a range that it might cost you to bring in washer dryer hookups for each of the units? What's a range, the smallest and the biggest?
0: Wow. You know, so that that's, um, it's such a wide range that so for our properties, some of them, we will, we'll just eliminate that as an option. So the first thing you need to do is look at physical constraints. You know, is there actually a location to put it in? And if so, is it a location that you can get the plumbing in, the um, you know the venting for a dryer or whatever else needs to go in to accommodate that? Now, some properties in our portfolio, that's um, all laid out very well, and you could you could put that in for probably less than a thousand dollars to to get those in. Um, but if you've got physical constraints, you have to move a wall, the plumbing's not there, like that price can go up. And at certain point, you say, hey, it's just it's just not feasible in that case. But certainly, you know, if I could put a washer-dryer hookup in for $1,000, $2,000, um, and you look at an incremental, even if you're in a, a market that doesn't have higher rents and you can add, say, $75 a month to the rent, um, again, walk through that NOI calculation and say $75 a month times 12 months, what's my cap rate in my market, and what, is it at, what kind of value am I actually creating for that one or $2,000 investment? And I'll guarantee the numbers will floor you. Um, so you know that's that's where you're using real estate to get compound interest. You're getting returns again and again and again. You keep taking that that value you're creating, reinvesting it back in in other ways, and you know that's how you 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 grow a a large portfolio.
1: So let's let's do this math real fast. Let's pretend as though you had a giant apartment building. And let's pretend as though, not giant, giant, but it's 200 units. Okay. It's a big one. And let's say on the higher end, you wanted to go ahead and put 2000 per unit to make sure you had washer and dryer hookups. Now, I'm not even saying you have to pay for the washer and dryer. Okay. Sure. So that costs you in in, uh, actual money almost a half a million dollars, okay? When I yep. did the math, 200 by 2,000, it's coming up as 400,000 cost. And now let's talk about, he's saying usually you can command 150 to 200. So what I'll do here is I'll just I'll just say 100. So $100 per unit times 200 units is 20,000 per month. And if you multiply that out by the whole year, it's 240,000 per year. So in year one, you make more than half your investment back, just in, in income coming back, 240,000. But the more important thing for you who are listening to do with this 240,000 income change is divide it by the cap rate in the area that you're in. And cap rates can be anywhere from four to five to six, to 12 to, tw- to 20. But if you're in a pretty good market right now, let's just call it a seven cap. So divide 240,000 by 0.07, okay, and push equals. And let's just see what it did to you by putting in 400,000. You actually got 3,400,000. So what did it cost you to put in those washer and dryer hookups? You actually made $3 million just in the first year because you're dividing it by a cap rate. And that's when I'm using the number 100 per per unit. And if you were able to do the 200 a unit that Brian Murray said you possibly, potentially could have, it would exactly double this number, which would be almost $7 million value just by being nice to your tenants and giving them washer, dryer, hookups. So I hope you're paying attention to this. Can you give me three more ideas um, we let's talk about, have you ever done a dog park? Have you ever done uh, a playground? And has it changed your NOI? So
0: those are much more difficult to, to gauge, right? So um, we do have properties that, you know, I think the big, the big change for us that was the biggest hit is you take a property that maybe doesn't allow pets or doesn't allow dogs, and then you allow dogs. Um, you know, if you have dogs and you add a dog park, it's, it's a little challenging to gauge you know, how much that's going to turn into with a, with a value add. I'm not saying it's not there, but it's certainly harder to get a direct measure. But what you can get a much better measure on is say, hey, I've got a property. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to invest in this property. And either A, they don't take pets, or B, they don't charge pet fees. And we've seen both cases. And we've gone in, you buy the property, you either go through and, and start to assess pet fees, or you allow pets. Now, the benefit of allowing pets is you're also likely to boost your occupancy because your, potent, your base of potential renters for that property has just expanded dramatically. And then on top of that, in the vast majority of markets in the United States, um, it's, it's expected that you'll pay some sort of pet fee. Not in all cases, but in, in most markets, you know that's, that's the norm. right? So if you collect, say, $35 a month for uh, a dog – and you have, you know, half your units have dogs or cats, and again, you walk through the numbers, and it can be really, really surprising what you can do with the value of a property by making it pet friendly, and that, you know, making it pet friendly can take a lot of forms. A dog park is a great idea. Um, but those numbers can add up, and I'll tell you what: when, when we first bought most of our properties, you know, dating back to 2007, so many of them didn't allow pets or didn't allow dogs. Now, most of them we do, um, as long as there's you know enough green space nearby to accommodate that, we'll allow that. And when I look through now and I see the income that the pets are generating, it's really eye-opening. Um, And it it accounts for a significant portion of of the income in a property, and it definitely boosts that NOI and creates more value.
1: So I have a quick question for you. When So I was at the mastermind, by the way, for the listener, Brian Murray and I are in the same multifamily mastermind. There's some giant hitters there, people like him. And when you combine us all, we own about $4 billion of assets. And uh, Rod Cleve puts that on. I love being a part of that mastermind. Brian, were you at the, one, the event that we had in San Diego recently? Were you at that uh, one? Yes,
0: yes. Okay. Yep.
1: All right. So let's keep talking about pets a little bit. And sure. I just want to share something that one of the people got up and talked about something that they did. This is a giant hack for the listener, especially if you're already doing the business. So they had security cameras. And the security cameras are pointing th- to, the, to the hallways and they were pointing out in to make sure that who's driving up and who's walking. And they thought of something interesting. They actually turned the security cameras to the, to the actual front doors of, of most of the units. And what they were able to do is this was apartment building that allowed pets. And had a pet rent of 35 or 50 or whatever it was. But what they did is, I think this was Neil Bawa. Uh, he always yeah. does very interesting things with his properties. He, he had a virtual assistant watch the security cameras for a few days and just mark when they saw pets coming in units and when they marked when they saw pets coming out of the units. And what had happened is he, he only spent a couple grand to learn all of this stuff. And then, out of nowhere, he found a bunch of people that, were, that had pets but hadn't yet paid the pet deposit and the pet rents. And he, he actually started to charge this. And i don't remember what it was, but the thousand or two thousand that it cost him, I think he made like a hundred or two hundred hundred or two hundred thousand dollars uh NOI based on his NOI uh, almost we over one week. Uh, do you remember that Brian?
0: I do yeah it was it was a great story so
1: so if you're if you're listening and if you want to be a part of a mastermind, you should you should do it because there's always these little interesting hacks of people that have done it. So I don't care if you join uh, Rod Cleese Mastermind or if you start your own, but if, if you can, uh, that one little thing that can cost me or Brian 1000 bucks or $2,000 to all of a sudden make us $200,000, that mastermind, even if it's the 20000 like the one we're in, that mastermind pays for itself four times over by listening to that one thing, that one time. So I suggest and and highly recommend you either start your own or join one of the uh, amazing masterminds that are out there. Absolutely. Brian, I want to wrap up the conversation. Is is there anything you want to leave with the listeners before I have you leave your contact information?
0: You know, I would just say that, you know, it's, it's really important for me to get my message out there, which is, you know, why, why I I wrote the book is my motivation is I want as many people as possible to see that, Hey, you can do this. I mean, if I can do it, so can you, Um, you know, it's, it's not, it's not something magical. It's not impossible. It's very doable. If you're motivated enough, it, it can be a great thing. I don't in any way want people to walk away thinking that it's easy and it's not a lot of hard work cause it is, but the opportunity is there. And if you're, if you're motivated enough, I encourage everybody to, you know, really look at real estate seriously as a way to, to Im- improve the, the quality of your life for yourself and your loved ones. You know, it's, it really, really is out there and it's, it's really still an opportunity for anybody that wants to, to go there. So.
1: And your book is on uh, Amazon so we've, we've went ahead and put that link in the description of the Facebook video, and I'll go ahead and have the link also in the bottom of the show notes when the show comes out. But just so it's searchable, maybe somebody's driving right now and they're listening to us, but they, they can't go and click that, what do they search for on Amazon to find your best-selling apartment investing book? Yeah, you just go to
0: Amazon, you could type Brian Murray, or you can type crushing it in apartments and commercial real estate, and it'll pop up. And, um, you know, I also want to say thank you, Adam, for, for everything you're doing. I, you know, I'm a, I'm a fan of your show, and, and you do so much to help so many investors. And, and uh, you know, us other investors see that and really appreciate that and admire that. So um, thank you for what you're doing. And, and thanks for having me on the show. I, I appreciate it
1: very, very grateful to have you. What's the best way for the listener to find you? I believe you're on bigger pockets. You're probably on Facebook. You might have an email. What is the one best place that they can find you? Uh, yeah, you could find
0: me Facebook, LinkedIn. Um, you know, that's, that's probably your best bet. So,
1: okay, perfect. Just search Brian with an I and Murray with a Y.
0: (laughs) (laughs) There you go.
1: (laughs) Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate you going into all the creative strategies that have gotten you to where you are, even without yet syndicating a deal. You've done this all on your own through creative financing, getting paid to buy commercial buildings, coming into commercial buildings with zero down. I hope that the listener is attracted to what you're saying, what you're sharing, that they buy the book, that they give you a good rating and review on the book, that they do take the advantage of giving you a call. And picking your brain a little bit more. I love everything that you've done. So it was it was nice of you to say nice things about me, but I'm very impressed by everything that you've done. I'll let you go for now. But n- until next time, think outside the box. Thank you for coming back day in and day out and listening to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. We're happy to have you as a listener. If you haven't already, go ahead and leave us a rating and review the kind that we deserve and that'll help us stay motivated to keep putting out this content for you and if you'd like to invest in that 250 unit apartment community that we have in Oklahoma City our favorite market in the entire nation right now if you'd like to be a part of that exciting opportunity just scroll down find that link realbluespruce.com forward slash portal and register your interest in investing alongside with us today until next time think outside the box